Today's episode of the Movie Musical Shakedown is brought to you by the Onstage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? This is it! Five, six, seven, eight. talent and see what we can do with it. You're going to make me believe that you belong on that stage. Dancing on that show is my dream. Tommy, can you hear me? And welcome, folks, to another edition of the Movie Musical Shakedown. I am your host, Chris Peterson, founder of Onstage Blog. Really excited you're joining us this week. We are talking about a movie that uh, gets a lot of chatter, I guess you could say. Uh, a lot of people seem to you know, talk about it for many different reasons, um, all you know, worthy of being talked about. But we are talking about 1954's Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, uh, a movie that includes both outstanding legendary choreography as well as uh, you know, infamous bad storytelling. Uh, it is uh, truly an experience to watch this movie. Um, I've never seen this movie start to finish, uh, and my mouth was agape about three minutes in. And uh, you know, there were moments where I could not believe what I was watching on screen. And we'll we'll talk about all of that uh, in this podcast. I'm going to be joined by my wife Nicole, who is a uh, dancer, choreographer extraordinaire, and she loves the barn, you know, raising uh, dance sequence uh, and pretty much nothing else about this movie, but um, we're going to break all of it down. uh, And so I'm very excited. It's also our birthday when we recorded this. So um, happy birthday to my wife, Nicole. It's uh, another year around the sun, which is, you know, awesome. And I love her very much. Um, So buckle up. Uh, If you've seen this movie, I think you'll, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. If you haven't seen this movie yet, um, you might want to watch it if you if you can stomach certain things uh, before you before you listen to the rest of this podcast because we basically uh, spoil it all for you. But um, we'll we'll break it all down. So let's get into it. But as first as always, here is the trailer. Seven times more exciting in the widescreen wonder of seventy millimeter projection. Seven times more musical with seven great songs in full channel stereophonic sound. Bless your beautiful hide, prepare to bend your knee. And take that vow, cause I'm a telling you now, you're the gal for me. Go and court, go and court, dudin' up to go and see a girl. All with fun to hunt and shoot again. Or to catch a rabbit on the run But you'll find it's twice as fortune Going cold Seven wives for seven brothers Every field wears a bonnet with the obvious reason is because of the season. Each nest is twittering, they're all babysitters. Spring, spring, spring. This really happened. Tell you about them sobbing women who lived in the Roman days. It seems 
that they all went swimming while their men was off to graze. Them women was sobbing, 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 fit to be tied. Every muscle was throbbing, throbbing from that riot. And we're back. And Nicole is here. Hello. And before we get into the podcast, I need to say something. Happy birthday. Thanks. It is April 6th. We're recording this on April 6th. Uh, it is Nicole's birthday. It is. Uh, you are one year older than you were last year. Woohoo! I won't say what that age is on the air. I don't really care. Honestly, like, I didn't necessarily think I'd get this birthday, so hey, I'm really happy to have it. Absolutely. So. <laughs> so, happy birthday to you. Thank you. Um, and as a birthday gift, I made you watch one of the most misogynist <laughs> movie musicals of all time. Uh, yes. Very problematic, and, and we'll get into all of it. Um, but, you know, for anybody who is a huge fan of this movie... Um, we're, we're going to get into all the, all the things. Well, let, you know what? I think I should just preface this with a blanket statement because I am a fan of this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of the storyline or much of the lyrics of the songs, but that dancing, oh my goodness. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And that's why I still watch this movie yeah, every couple years. Mm-hmm. I've seen it six or seven times, and I will say, you know, when I'm feeling down, I might YouTube the barn dance, because it just makes me feel happy. Well, this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. And I know, I can't believe that. My mouth was agape. Um, like, five minutes into the movie, I was like, oh my god. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and and we'll talk about why uh, a little bit later in the podcast, but, uh, you know, before we get into it, let's let's get into what I'm calling... Behind the scene facts. And we're only going to do three of them. Because I realized like on the last podcast, I had like 12 of them. You had a lot, yeah. And so let's cut it down to three. So I'm going to do three behind the scenes facts uh, about, uh, you know, about Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Now, first Mm -hmm. of all, um, it was shot in 48 days. So quick shoot, I guess, for Mm. a a movie musical. Um, Funny enough, MGM did not have high expectations for this film and chose because of that they chose to reallocate all of their resources to a movie called Rosemary that came out the same year and what they thought was going to be their big movie musical of that year Brigadoon which yeah. is okay it's not it's I, you know, I it's, enjoy it yeah I love a good uh, good ballet there so. you go there you go so basically what happened was they took all of their resources and uh, put it towards those two films. And because of that, uh, Brig- uh, excuse me, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers was shot on a shoestring budget, as it was called. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, uh, in using a lot of painted backdrops. So yes. it was hardly ever filmed on location. You know, they're not in the Oregon wilderness where Stanley Donnan uh, wanted to actually film this movie. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, number two, fast fact or behind the scenes fact. Here we go. Michael Kidd initially turned down the project. Uh, he thought it was a dumb show, a movie. He basically said in 1997, here are these slobs living off in the woods. They have no schooling. They are uncouth. There's manor a manure on the floor. The cows come in, and then they're like, oh, we're just going to get up on get up and dance. Yep. And he's like, we'd be laughed out of the house. But he listened to the score. He apparently heard the barn dance and had just a lot of ideas for choreography and mm-hmm. ended up 
uh, joining the project as well. Uh, finally, uh, even though MGM had absolutely no faith in this movie whatsoever, it ended up becoming a box office smash for mm-hmm. 1954. Ended up grossing over $9 million worldwide, uh, which back then was huge. Uh, it also got nominated for five Oscars, including Best Picture. And no. <laughs> exactly, right? No. Um, <laughs> and ended up winning one of them for Best Score that year. So okay. even though the movie is uberly problematic um, in a lot of different ways for not only what I would say 2021 standards, but for many standards before this, mm-hmm. um, it, it was at the time a critically uh, hailed film and, and, like I said, resulted in five Academy Award nominations. Wow. But let's get into it. Yeah. Let's get into it. So let's start at the beginning. Nicole's notes. <laughs> what do you got this week? So what I think is interesting is in the opening credits that it says it was based off of uh, Sobbin Women. So I don't know if that's a short story. It's a short story that it was based on. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> So, Lord only knows what that was like. <laughs> if Seven Brides for Seven Brothers was the watered-down version right. of Sobbing Women. Um, yeah. Um, I have to say, we're recording this the day after we listened uh, watched the movie. And I can't get the soundtrack out of my head. So, for as ridiculous as some of these songs are... They are catchy, and yeah. well, I mean, you got "Bless Your Beautiful Hide." <laughs> that right one is just playing, and well, that's also the theme for the barn dance, and that's probably yep. part of the issue. They do play it throughout. <laughs> the, it, it is the the hit of the show, I would yes. say. Um, yeah, I, I get it. It is a catchy tune. It the lyrics are just uh, you know awful. We'll, we'll get into but, that. You know. Don't worry. Um, so I went in the opening during the credits. How much of that were painted backdrops? Because oh. that looked like they were actually in Oregon. They probably either had stock footage of wilderness, mm-hmm. you know, because it's MGM. They probably had a lot of that stuff um, shot. Uh, but um, yeah, it, apparently there is no, you know, you know, uh, traveling to Oregon, so to speak. Right. So. Let's see. Uh, in Bless Your Beautiful Hide, what really sets the tone for the rest of the show is uh, the our Adam, our lead guy, saying that he's going to get what he wants, no matter what. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's a, it's a great tone to set. Well, let's just say this. So the the, the guy who plays Adam, uh, the actor, just you know, uh, is a actor by the name of Howard Keel, who really had. Uh, what I would call a phenomenal run of playing um, very misogynistic, uh, domineering men. So before this, uh, he had been in uh, Annie Get Your Gun as, as Frank, and you know that character doesn't start off uh, fantastic. Uh, he also was in Showboat um, as Gaylord Ravenel, which is not um, you know the best of character either. Um, he was also in Kiss Me Kate uh, as Pertruccio and Frank, or Fred, uh, right before this. So, um, not, not, he, he's got, you know, it's, it's like if Hollywood said, like, we need um, an actor to play, you know, a misogynistic, domineering man who learns his ways by the end of the movie. Let's get Howard Keel on the phone. Um, but anyway, yeah. great voice, though. 
Very good voice. Great voice. Um, and I just, it's almost too bad because I feel like with a little bit of uh, cleaning up, all of the songs and the storyline even could just be so much more enjoyable mm. because they have actors who are very talented, dancers, performers, singers, and they put them in this. So I just, we're off to a good start. What? All right, so the 50s and 60s version of old-fashioned hair drives me nuts. Mm. Like when we meet the brothers later, they actually have like DA haircuts when they get cleaned up. And just Millie has a little bouffant poof in the front with her bangs. And I'm just thinking of like 1776, Johnny Tremaine, all of those movies. Not good hair. Just didn't do the research. No. Didn't do the research to what people used to look like back then. Um, yeah, I hear you. Thank goodness you proposed to me better than how Adam proposes to Millie, leaning over a cow. So, yeah. oh, uh, so Chris didn't know that he'd even proposed. He missed it. So I, I literally <laughs> blinked in this movie, and I didn't even see the proposal. It, it, I I blinked, and they were then in the house, and the, the preacher the, you know is, mm-hmm. is marrying them. I'm like, wait, when did they get engaged? Had any time passed? It was like five minutes. Yes. Um, and yes, yeah, so it, it was a terrible proposal. It, it wasn't even I, a proposal; is a question almost. It's not even like a, you know, he just kind of told her like, "Hey." Well, and then he's you know guilts her by saying she's being prideful if she doesn't say yes. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> that whole thing is a hot mess. Yeah, and... Millie is I, I you know Millie played by you know the great Jane Powell. Um, I I don't understand her. She's a strong, sassy woman in the, in the beginning. Cooks a good chili, I guess. Is that chili or stew? Stew. Um, and that's, by the way, that's the that's the sink, that's the sealer for him, right? For Adam, because like he's looking at her from afar and be like, hmm, she's she can cut wood. She can cut wood, and she's pushing around men. And oh, she's got she's not too slim, but she's also not too big. Like, mm-hmm. Really, that's what he's it, throughout the entire song. That's what he's talking about, right? Um, and then he decides, okay, good, good stew. This is my wife. Mm-hmm. Whether you like it or not, you're, you're, I, I came for groceries. I went grocery shopping, <laughs> and I'm coming back with a wife. That's basically what happened. <laughs> and then to top it all off, as they're leaving, the merchant woman has the gall to call Millie indecent. Right, it's Millie's fault. It's Millie's fault. <laughs> that she's leaving with this guy. And I just starts the whole thing off on a very bad foot. Well, so this is, so let's get into, like, as we go through, let's talk about the problematic pieces of this movie. So like, so <laughs> at the very beginning, I was on this merchant woman's side. Right. Her first couple lines of dialogue with Adam as as he comes into the um, uh, the store, you know, when he's like saying, I, oh, Mrs. Bixby, that's mm-hmm. I think the name. Um you know, when he's saying, oh, I'm going to get myself a girl, blah, blah, blah. She's like, don't be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no one here in town that's going to be able to, you know, do that. You're being... Right, and she also shoes him away when he's, like, leering at the young girls that come into the shop. And right. and by the way, who knows how old those girls are? Right. Let's assume they're teenagers, because right. it's 1850. Um, but then she turns and starts blaming Millie for... for 
you know, accepting this, right? You know, proposal. So yeah, no bad, bad virtue moment. I was on your side, and then it turned very quickly. So, the ride up to the cabin mm. could have actually been like a positive experience. He could have said, "Hey." So I have these brothers and he could have explained what was going on. But no, they stopped to water the horses and she sings this magical love song to him about everything that she's dreaming and how excited she is to live with him. And so it's just, I mean, he's bringing her there under false pretenses yeah. and he has every opportunity to tell her and he never does. Nope. They arrive at the cottage, and that cottage must smell. Oh my goodness! Like, well, they, it's I mean, got to be disgusting. Michael Kidd said there was manure on the floor, so it had to, you know. Well, not even that. Like they're not washing. No, they're rewearing the same clothes. Yeah, and like you can tell, it's the place has never been cleaned. So yuck. Yeah, imagine you're being taken from town. Brought up to this cabin with... Oh. And by the way, he doesn't tell her that he's got six brothers, by the way. No. Well, he, that's what I was saying. Like, he has every opportunity to say right. that. Um, <clears throat> and he never does. Nope. Now, just imagine... So, Christopher has this sweatshirt yep. that he loves to wear. It's my hoodie. Every my hoodie day. Sweatshirt. Every day. And he gets angry when I wash it, but I do. I do wash it because otherwise it would be gross. And you know how upset I get when you wear the sweatshirt for more than a few days at a time. I'm wearing this. This is day three of this. Which I know, and it's yeah. going to be washed very soon. No! <laughs> but just imagine walking into that cabin. Oh, yeah. Imagine my reaction of the sweatshirt for <laughs> my walking into the cabin. This poor woman. Poor man. I know. I, I, can't, I can't even. So then, so they get home, and it, basically she's read the riot act of all the things that she well, has to do. Well, let's bring a woman in to civilize the beast. Yeah. And I appreciate that she stands up to them, but she's been put in a terrible position. She's been lied to. She's been brought there under false pretenses. And then as soon as she kicks Adam out of their bedroom, romantic music starts. Right. As soon as he walks through and climbs to the window, the violins start. And the sob story about, you know, well, you're not going to let me sleep with you, so I'm going to have to stay out here in this tree. Like, he starts guilting her right off. Mm-hmm. And the, she, he brings her some water and starts telling her about his family. And then, you know, I better let you back in, Adam, so you don't lose face. Right. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I can't. Lose face to the six brothers that are like in the other room because there's no one else around. Right. And so, yeah, that, that wasn't that wasn't great. Well, in all like I'm going to be completely honest. If this were a real life scenario and not a fuzzy wuzzy musical. Mm-hmm. Not only her going into the woods with a giant man is a scary situation. But then being brought into a house in the middle of nowhere with six other giant men right. is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm getting gas somewhere and there are only other guys around when I'm with Sam, I don't get out of the car right away. Mm-hmm. I kind of look around and then I hold my keys. <laughs> like the idea of her being in this cabin with these giant men who are already shown that they're violent. Right. Like, it's terrifying. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and then we turn around and they all go 
to town with her and we see that you know other proof that they're disgusting and then all of a sudden we start to turn around and they have going courting that song Mm. now this is where i struggle because i think that song is so much fun (laughs) and i love the dancing and i really i enjoy that michael kidd made it as organic as it could be Mm -hmm. for this very staged nothing about it is realistic musical Mm -hmm. the movement comes out of the situation that they're in and they start off with this really brash and abrasive movement and then all of a sudden as the song goes on they're getting into it and things are getting more smooth and it's just it's a really fun dance and I think it sets up the barn dance really really well mm-hmm. and that's the next scene so let's talk about the barn dance um so all I always say with the barn dance is barn dance in all caps right if you're gonna watch <laughs> if you're gonna watch seven brides with seven brothers and you want to truly enjoy it just watch like the first 10 minutes of the barn dance scene and then so, stop the movie well it's a six and a half minute dance yeah like, there you go and it's fantastic but just they're going full speed for six and a half minutes. Now, I understand that they obviously stop and shot things separately for this because of all the different vignettes in the dance. But just the undertaking that it would be if someone were to ever do this live, I don't think they would ever do it justice. Well, they haven't. Um, yeah, I, I hear it. So what is it about the barn dance sequence that is so good? There are lots of things. So... One and and just to remind the folks at home, Nicole is a dancer. She's a choreographer, so she, she I, I I default to her <laughs> when it comes to why is this dance number really good. So, <laughs> so there are lots of reasons. One visually, it's the first scene that there's lots of color, so that's the first thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so visually, there's a change. Um, I also really love that you can hear and see the dancing. Mm-hmm. So it's a visual and auditory change for the audience. Um, and also for this whole musical, all of the choreography is really masculine. So I feel like now because it's 2021, we're living in a different world and I don't like that being a default setting for what we're saying, but it's true. If you were to get my grandfather to go see a musical in 1954, you said, the guys needed to dance like guys. Mm-hmm. And they really do in a natural, masculine way. And I think it really fits the characters beautifully. It's not this put upon... They're doing ballet. They are doing ballet movement, but in a way that fits the characters so flawlessly. Um, and I just... I have a list of moves that they do. These are just some of the things that they do. This is not including the tricks on the wood beams or the rolling well or when they're building the house. This doesn't include any of those tricks. Side aerials, round-off cartwheels, torchetes into catch lifts, dive rolls, fuete jumps on and off of picnic benches, back tucks, and that's then including the tricks. And then you throw in the ballet that's happening. Really beautiful partnering that's dynamic. I love the way that it's shot because they 
have very angular positioning for everyone. Everyone is in straight lines. They're creating patterns within these straight lines, but then the camera's moving around them. So you're really getting a very deep look into the dancing that's happening, but it's not that choppy cut that was happening in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Like what I feel like when Bob Fosse started taking over directing, you started to get these deep close-ups of choreography, we still get the whole picture here, which Mm -hmm. I love. Um, It's just, it's a really fun number. There you go. It's really fun. And I feel like it it fits the characters, it fits the world that they're in, and I don't think that happens very often. Mm. So, sorry, that was my rant. Good point. Good good rant, though. Good rant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so... To sadly come right off of that into the barn raising scene. Like, I just, Adam immediately calls all of them mama's boys and, like, just starts putting them down right away for being polite and not immediately beating up people. (laughs) Just, (laughs) we get a nice six and a half minutes and then right back. Now, granted, (laughs) the other guys uh, are instigating Uh um, and committing. Serious, you know, assault. I mean, one of, them, one of them throws a hammer at his head. Um, I'm not saying don't say, hey, please don't assault me. <laughs> Cut it out. Right. Like, you can say stop, mm-hmm. obviously. But the fact that he, I guess, all right, so here's the deal. I don't have a problem with Adam telling his brothers to stand up for themselves. Right. I have a problem with the way that he did it. He was calling them pansies and lilies and mama's boys Mm -hmm. to get them to take action. That's the problem that I had. Now, again, it's in character. I get it. But it just irked me Mm -hmm. that we go from this really positive masculine energy to this super, like, meh, bad energy right after. Gotcha. I do enjoy all the tricks in the fights, though. Uh, and I love that there's no wire work. There's no special effects. It's just actual skill. And I was marveling at the strength of the wood in that scene. Yeah. Because if you notice, there's guys like that are like sliding down wood. They're yeah. bouncing up and down on the wood. And I'm just like, is that first of all, is that actually wood, number one? Who knows? Um, but I was just like... Even the guy who plays Gideon just climbs a rope right up the side of the building. Right. And you can see him close up. He's not being pulled up. He's not, I mean, I'm just the, I feel like this is a mix of dance training, vaudeville training, and it's stuff that we don't see anymore. And it's pretty cool. Like it's, it's pretty cool to see. By the way, that is uh, the, the person that plays Gideon is Russ Tamblin. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, West Side Story. West Side I was about Story. to say, you know, did a little movie called West Side Story a couple of years after, um, after this, so and has had an incredible career since then. Still working, uh, was just in the haunting of Hill House actually oh. a couple years ago. So good for him. Good for him. Uh, yeah. So what is the time span between Millie's arrival and the barn dance? It seems like three days. It feels <laughs> yeah. It feel it probably isn't. It's probably you know maybe a month. 
Ish, because he but, made such a Adam made such a big deal in the beginning about it being you know several weeks before he'd be able to get back right when he was proposing to Millie. So I mean, not it's let's, not let's assume it's yeah, yeah, let's say it's within the season. I'll put okay, it that way. there you go. Um, let's see. So the gentlemen, I can't call them gentlemen. The the dudes are all greatly affected. By the women that they've met. Mm-hmm. And again, they're very young women. Yep. Uh, and it transitions into Winter and Lonesome Polecat. And I love this dance. I love it. Just the sawn of wood and... Uh... Well, again, it's organic. They're mm-hmm. outside. They're doing work. They're moping. So they have a moping while doing work dance. And it's an organic way to transition to it. But, I mean, if you're watching, they're swinging axes and saws, but they're doing it in fourth position, doing plies. And then they're doing extensions into Batmans. And I just, like, it's a really beautiful way to incorporate ballet, but have it fit this. Mm -hmm. And it's really awesome. Like, it's very, it's a really smart way to choreograph. And it's... Michael Kidd also makes music with his dancing. Mm-hmm. When they're chopping wood, it's part of the choreography and it's part of the score. Like he creates new music with his movement and it's really fantastic. And I think the fact that this comes out literally a year before Guys and Dolls, mm-hmm. um, which is his next project, and that in terms of choreography is kind of in the same way, very organic. In a way, it is very mm-hmm. obviously masculine, very mm-hmm. male. Um, but yeah, like in terms of like that luck be a lady number, for yeah. instance, in guys and dolls is, is kind of like that organic. Well, I mean, movement makes sense. All of the movement just goes from that dice throw, like mm-hmm. that's where it builds off of. Right. And it's, I really enjoy Michael Kidd's choreography. And I know people think it's cheesy and they think, I, I understand. Well, it's, and so, what's funny about it, so we were watching The Birdcage a yes. couple weeks ago and there's that great scene where Robin Williams does the Fosse, 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 yes. Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd. And he does the Michael Kidd thing and that never made sense to me. And yet I, I understood it. I was like, okay, yeah, I get it, Michael Kidd. But I didn't know where that move came from. Yeah. Where it looks like he's riding a horse and I realized that it's it's from, from Going Corton. From <laughs> Going Corton. So it's like, oh, there, there's that Michael Kidd thing. Yes. Um, so yeah, to put a pin on Michael Kidd, I'll come back to him because there's even more dancing there's to come. More, even more. But yep. <laughs> I'm just amazed at the way that he can make ballet so palatable and so ingrained in who these characters are and these dopey, gross characters. Mm-hmm. It's just, he makes them graceful, and yep. I love it. Um, okay, so right after this is Sobbin' Women, Holy Batman. Holy Batman. Yeah. Um, so this is, so the movie, it, I think, has been, like, on the misogynistic, like, terrible towards women Richter scale. Right. It's been at, like, a, a cool seven for the right. entire movie. Sobbin' Women kicks off this run of... I would say 20 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes of just straight up awfulness. Mm-hmm. And we need to, I need to preface this in a way. Folks, I know that, you know, if you're a longtime reader of Onstage Blog, you know where we kind of stand with 
you know, political correctness mm-hmm. and, you know, making sure that, you know, uh, our, our views change and evolve as, as a right. society and understanding you know, equal rights and things like that. So when we look at a movie like Seven Brides with Seven Brothers, which has, and we'll talk about this last half an hour of this movie and how, how just terrible, ridiculous and how ridiculous is, and yeah. terrible it is towards women. Um, we need to understand a couple of things. One of the defenses I always get when, when I call out and criticize things like this is, well, that's just the way it was back then. Okay, so here's the deal. It, this movie takes place in 1850. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the setting. That was terrible to do to women in 1850. Right. It might have been a society practice. Who knows? Right. But that was terrible to do in 1850. Right. Here's the other thing. They're quoting, the story is from the Bible. So a thousand years ago. Terrible. Still terrible Still to terrible. do. <laughs> the movie came out in 1954. Still terrible. And by the way, women still are, at, at that point, aren't even close to getting the equal standing right. uh, that they should have um, on, on many fronts in society. Yes. Especially in 54. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. So this movie came out, there was no pre-existing you know, stage musical. It, was a, it came out as a movie musical first. Then it was, came out as a Broadway show in 1978. When it came out in 1978, still terrible. Right. Still terrible towards women in society. So this... You know this argument that oh we're going to show this this you're going to show this movie we're going to open this show that's terrible towards women uh, but hey hey it takes place in 1850 so wink wink no it no. perpetuates terrible behavior towards women when you've got entertainment coming out like that's like that right so and here's my issue with this so the entire movie there are people calling these guys slobs and all of that but. They still find a way to make it a happy ending, like you know. I just that's it all. You know, it all ends up with smiles and oh, you know, they did this horrible thing, but it's okay because the women fell in love with them anyways. Right. It's still it's not okay, and it's really frustrating. It's the, the problem. That there is no <laughs> serious consequence. There's in, no consequence, and that is a 1950s movie musical staple. Yes, you know, I mean, Michael Kidd's very next movie. Guys and dolls. Right. Men behaving badly, women calling them out correctly for their bad behavior, and yet at the same time compromising who they are and their morals to end up with the men at the end. Right. And it's like, that shouldn't, ha- that shouldn't, it, rather than the vice versa. Exactly. There you go. Um, so just let me read you a lyric from Sob and Women. Please. That I thought you might enjoy. Um, Rough them up like the Romans do. I thought that was good. Uh, let's see. Oh, they acted angry and annoyed, but were secretly overjoyed. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yes. Uh, so basically, if they cry, it's fine. Yeah. And then they go on to their abduction scene. So let's talk about the abduction scene. Okay. So first <clears throat> off, there's happy, jaunty music the entire time. Right. And it's presented in a very comedic way like right. you know Gideon's pretending to be a cat to lure the woman outside uh, to, so so to backtrack <clears throat> if, in case folks haven't mm-hmm. seen this movie um, the, the the brothers are sad because they've fallen in love with these women mm-hmm. in town um, and the older brother Adam the oldest brother Adam decides mm-hmm. well I've been reading this book where the Romans basically go into town and just kidnap the women and make the women live with them and through Stockholm Syndrome, the women just end up becoming, you know, happy with their lives. Right. Um, so the brothers decide to go and do that. They go into town, which, by the way, 
this town, I'm assuming, probably has less than 200 people in it. Right. And they go in and they take out probably what is one-tenth of the women Mm -hmm. in this town. Kidnap them. There's no... um, there's no flirtation, like, ha, ha, nope. ha. Like, they throw blankets over their heads. They throw blankets over their heads. They they knock any man near them unconscious, and they kidnap these women. Now, these women, as they're escaping the town... Are screaming and crying for help. They're screaming. And again, there's jaunty, happy, funny music. The men are laughing about it. They're like, they, ha, yes. ha, 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 our plan succeeded. Um, <laughs> it's, it is... Like they, it, I yeah, I wrote the men are literally laughing as the women are crying after they were kidnapped. <laughs> right, it is it is so bad, and again for a nineteen fifty four standard, it's bad to put that on screen. For an eighteen fifty standard, it was bad to do it to women mm-hmm. back then too. But um, it just like you're watching this scene, and it doesn't matter if it's a, through a twenty twenty one lens it's like it's this still is, bad it's still bad it's objectively terrible what you when you're watching this and uh, i can't i couldn't believe what i was watching i couldn't i cannot believe that there are there are uh local theaters and community theater or college theaters that still love to perform this show now i understand that some of the things have been changed in the show i don't know exactly what those changes are i can't find any material that tells me exactly and not only changed. that i don't understand how you can perform this without completely changing the plot. Right. So it's just, it's, I just, it, yes, it's a, they, they, it contains some amazing choreography, but man, this whole sequence, so they kidnap the women. The women are absolutely justified in being, you know, upset and terrified and scared and, and you know, sad about everything. Then they have the fastest abduction by horse in history. Right. By the way, watch that sequence. <laughs> watch that sequence where they're being chased out of town. The the they obviously filmed it with uh, one of those back cameras or those mm-hmm. back screens that had just a standard, you know, chase scene being played. They are moving at ninety miles per hour. <laughs> the fastest horses. The fat like the fast and I know this from Back to the Future part three that like the fastest the horses can get is usually like forty five miles per hour. Like it's not it's not fast. And they're going legit 90 miles per hour, according to this, you know, back screen projection that, that, that's playing during the chase. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yes. Um, so they bring the women back to the cottage. And Millie's there. And let me just say, so Millie's wearing this orange lipstick. <laughs> and it really bothers me. And I don't know, maybe was it just... The fact that we were not watching it in HD, we were watching like the original, so maybe the color was off. Maybe, yeah. But it just seemed like a really strange costuming choice mm-hmm. for that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tells Adam, like, I can't believe you did this. You should all be ashamed of yourself. And he's like, yeah, you guys, you go to the barn. And he's like, I'm going to follow my wife back inside. <laughs> Like, really? Yeah. And when she says, no, you can't come follow me back inside, he gets upset and ditches her. Yeah. In the middle of the woods with six women and his six brothers, and he just goes off on his own because his feelings are hurt. He goes to the trapping cabin, which, by the way, we see later on is legit as big as their main house. (laughs) Like, I thought it was like maybe like an ice fishing shed. 
But like when they when we actually finally see a, sh- a shot of that trapping cabin that he's been living in, it is legit as big as his regular mm-hmm. house, and you, it makes me wonder like, why didn't you just take your wife to that cabin where you could live by yourselves instead of forcing her to live with your seven brothers or six right. brothers in that gigantic that 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 house is just, just as big. Right. So, yeah. So we very quickly transition to June Bride. So Yeah, this is where the women start to, you start to see a turn. Like, oh, uh, well, you see a turn a little bit before that when the guys yes. start coming in the house being like, oh, my leg is hurt. I need some liniment. Yeah. Uh, oh, can I get an extra blanket? And the girls start making doe eyes. And again, I, I, I am not going to blame the women at all in no. this entire scenario. Like Stockholm Syndrome is an actual thing. It's real. Um, but it's, it's a terrible, like this movie needed to be 45 minutes shorter and yet an hour longer. Right. You know, to, like, <laughs> to see like this transition of these women. You right. Know, and and to, for it to really make sense for, for, so that the audience isn't being like, like, what are you thinking? Like, what's going on? Right. And I mean, I understand that, I mean, with all the Bible verses, oh, we're supposed to be submissive. Oh, they're so handsome. Oh, they're so strong. But you are being held captive in the woods. Right. Against your will. Against your will. So Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's tough. Uh, And then, again, they transition into June Bride. And right after they find out that Millie is pregnant, after being ditched by Adam, uh, they do this very simple and sweet uh, number. And again, I love the choreography. I really do. It It is just simple and clean, but it still fits the style that Michael Kidd had put off in the beginning of the musical. Mm-hmm. So the way that they're moving is a lot like Lonesome Polecat, honestly. When you look at the way that they're sweeping with their arms and legs and none of their, I feel like when we get to like West Side Story, there's this power and kicks are high and everything has this like push to it. Everything here is very sedate. Mm-hmm. And while I'm, we know that they can kick up to their noses from the barn dance, they don't. Everything is controlled and neat and it's really, it's still beautiful choreography and I love it. Mm-hmm. And it really, really bothers me that it's sandwiched at this part. Right. Because they're talking about it. And I think that's another thing that we forget. These characters are supposed to be very young women. Mm-hmm. And if they're living in this small Oregon town, I'm assuming they are not seeing much of the world. No. So they're shaping their experience to be this beautiful dream of mm-hmm. what they hope to happen you right. know this june bride thing and i won't lie i mean as a teenage girl i totally dreamt of what my wedding would be and totally dreamt of the family that i would have mm-hmm. and so i think that that scene i just i wish it had existed in another film in another universe because it really is such a sweet little nod to what a lot of young girls think about mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and uh, then we get to the baby which by the way i i was again i blinked in this movie mm-hmm. i looked away i i maybe got up and grabbed a soda i completely missed where millie was pregnant <laughs> i completely missed it and 
Because like I, I turn and I turn back and you see the, them running upstairs and then you hear the slap, slap, slap. Which by the way, they slap that baby. They hard. slap that baby like at least eight <laughs> times. There's like you, it, it, there's some slapping. Um, yeah. And um, <laughs> I was like, "Where's the baby? Who's pregnant? <laughs> like, where, where'd that baby come from?" Which, by the way, realistically, if you think about the situation, that mm-hmm. it could have been any one of them that right. could have gotten pregnant. But I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad for the movie's sake, um, even though it's already at a 10 of awfulness towards women. Right. It didn't go completely over the board uh, with that. But yeah, so Millie has a baby. Uh, and then we get to the, the rescue Well, sequence. no, not oh, yet. I'm sorry. Because Gideon goes oh, Gideon to comes Adam. Back. Yes, Gideon, Gideon brings Adam back. You're right. But when he goes to Adam, Adam says that her having a baby and the fact that the baby was a girl was just a dig and a trick to get him to come back. <laughs> like, Adam, just, come on. Just terrible. He's it's just horrible. Terrible. Yep. Um, and then he comes back, he sees the daughter, and he says the only thing that brought him back is that he thought, like, if this had happened to his daughter, he would be really upset. <laughs> and I'm like, Adam, you're an idiot. Right. <laughs> and I'm laughing, but it's only because this is just so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I keep thinking of that um, movie with Captain Marvel in it. What's her name? Oh. Where uh, she's abducted. Room, and yeah. Like, Brie Larson with Room, yeah. Yeah. I, I, just, I just can't. It. It's so ridiculous. It just, again, I, I can't stand movies, movie musicals, or just movies in general of this era where when when the lessons are learned, they're learned in such a poor way and such an, an obvious, mm-hmm. like, like, you should have known this in the beginning. Well, just the fact that it takes him the entire movie and having a daughter and having a sense of ownership over her. Mm-hmm. Which is not the feeling he should have anyways, to understand that maybe what I did to my wife and these other women that we abducted (laughs) wasn't the right move. Exactly. Exactly. Because I would feel really bad if my daughter, my property, was taken from me. Mm -hmm. It's just ridiculous. But then, so I have to preface this by telling you all that this movie made Christopher cry. It did. Because in the next scene, someone yells... Don't you'll hit Dorcas. Now here's <laughs> and the thing. Chris rewound to watch this scene three times just to hear that line. So we have to understand that in this cast, um, just just so people know, the, the names of the women mm-hmm. are Alice, Sarah, Liza, Ruth, Martha, and Dorcas. <laughs> now Dorcas now is here's the played. ironic is yes. played by legend. Julie Beauty. Newmar. Yeah. Julie Newmar is played by is playing Dorcas, and <laughs> this is this is her first major role. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a, a, basically a decade before Batman, mm-hmm. um, and she goes on to become you know this just beauty legend. Um, but what's interesting about Julie Newmar in this movie is she can't dance. So in all the in the barn raising scene in all these dance numbers. She is given very little movement. She's put in the back. Mm-hmm. There's one point where the girls are dancing and she's literally standing. In the barn there. dance. She's just standing she's watching them just clapping. She's standing there <laughs> clapping in the corner. And I'm like, that's Julie Dumar. One of the most gorgeous women who ever walked this planet. And um, it's just, it's fun. And she's just given the worst name. Like, 
like when the guy says, you know, don't, you'll hit Dorcas. Like, <laughs> I, I started <laughs> laughing my ass off and I couldn't stop. And then later on, because after, so basically, you know, the, 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 the fathers and the brothers and the, and the townsmen arrived to, to rescue the women, mm-hmm. being the noble ones in the situation. Granted, I mean, you know, they're probably... <laughs> I mean, they questionably probably, noble. <laughs> questionably, they probably want to take them back to town and do the same thing, essentially, just mm-hmm. you know, in town. Um, but um, the guys, the, the brothers are like, we need to take these women back. They're convinced by Adam because, you know, these are, you know, these, you know if we really love them, they could, these could be our brothers and fathers-in-law mm-hmm. and stuff. We don't want to hurt them. So it all centers around men, by the way. Right. This whole, like, you know, don't want to upset men. Um, and so these guys arrive. They try to rescue the women. We get the don't hit Dorcas. Um, <laughs> and then... They hear the baby start crying, yes. and the pasture is like, "Oh no!" Like he literally Not that his 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 reaction is so again brave and terrible. Like, it's terrible towards women. Like, "Oh no!" There's a baby. I must have been you know you know birthed out of wedlock, which is like the worst thing ever, apparently, mm-hmm. for women in the time. Um, and then. We get this like I am Spartacus moment with the women where the townsmen ask the girls whose baby it is. They all say it's mine. So obviously they can't like, you know, ostracize one of them or or do whatever to one of them. They got to do it to all of them. So that that they force them to marry at gunpoint. They they literally force the women to get married at gunpoint. (laughs) (laughs) And in the last moment, when they ask the men to take their vows, they look behind them like, oh, I guess I don't really want to get married, but there are guns, so There's we guns. gotta. I mean, I can't say no. Um, they kiss and that's it. Again, and again, great line delivery. Do you, Emily, Liza, you know, Margaret, Margaret Ruth. Ruth, Dorcas. <laughs> like, they save Dorcas for, for the, the end. end every single time. And I, I mean, look, if there's someone listening to this podcast named Dorcas, I apologize. Your parents were mean to you. It's a biblical name. It's a biblical like, name that just shouldn't be used ever. What is even? What's the short of? What's the short version of Dorcas? Dork, dot, <laughs> maybe d- dot, do, dotty, cuss. I don't know, but like, it's but a, I mean, when she was trying to name the baby too. I mean, Hepzibah was one of the options. I mean, that's <laughs> what was the other one? It was he- Hannah, Hannah, Hagar, Hagar, Hagar. And- and Hepzibah. Hagar is a girl's name? Hagar and Hepzibah are also biblical girls' names. That's a ter- Those are terrible names for, for girls. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, then, and then, so they say, I do. Mm-hmm. There's the wedding, hugs and kisses. And then the, then you it. get the, the, the end. Right. There's no, there's hardly any resolution in this movie whatsoever. Oh, we did skip that spring, spring, spring song where they're all holding baby animals and loving each other. That's ter- it's still terrible. It's still terrible. It doesn't make the movie any better. It doesn't, but just uh, we we hopped past that. And so, th- ladies and gentlemen, the the message that this movie is saying is that, you know, uh, men are always right, mm-hmm. uh, women are property, mm-hmm. uh, and <laughs> ignore them when they say they're upset or angry or frightened because they secretly love everything you're doing. Right. And at the end. Even if you've been violent and horrible, you'll get what you want, you and it'll you want. all be okay. Yeah, so it's a, it's a tough watch. It's a tough watch. Well, let's get into our rating, the singing, the acting, the dancing, and design. Yes. So let's start off with the singing, Nicole. Run through 10. Eight. 
So it was nice to listen to. Mm -hmm. But only two of them were actually singing. Right. So... That's true. Like of of the like you know eleven twelve people in this movie, uh, only really three of them are actually singing uh, their voices. Everybody else is dubbed, but <clears throat> very nice voices mm-hmm. throughout. So, and the score again when you're looking at the score lyrically, it's terrible. Like ninety percent of this but movie, melodically, it's fantastic. <clears throat> melodically, it's fantastic. It's really nice to listen to if you just if you just <laughs> ignore the lyrics. If you speak a different language. Uh, and don't or understand just English. Just sing other words. Just or just sing different it's, words. Bless your beautiful hide. Again, it's been stuck <clears> in my <throat> head. Right. And when I changed it to do 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 do, it makes me happy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, like I said, if you don't speak English at all, you're gonna have a great time listening to this. Movie. Right. There you go. <laughs> uh, I also gave it uh, a, a seven, actually. Oh, I so, get yeah. yeah. See so a little yeah. bit less. Um, how about the acting? A four. Yeah, it's not a strong. You don't see a lot of strong performances here. No, I just think it's very on the nose, mm-hmm. and nobody's reaching. When the girls are scared, they scream. When yep. the men are angry, they grunt, and that's that. I'm convinced that the mayor, I guess he's the mayor at the barn raising scene, mm-hmm. he tells the rules of the, the barn raising thing, was reading a cue card off yeah. screen. Like, he just, his eyes don't move. He hardly blinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, like, really, that's the take we're going to use. Now, granted, Stanley Donnan is a... National treasure, mm-hmm. rest in peace. Did singing in the rain, mm-hmm. you know, um, but yeah, this was not his strongest. Like, let's let's maybe do take two of that. Well, no, and I guess I feel like where he really shines is in the fight scene and the dance scenes mm-hmm. and the way those were shot and directed are really fantastic. Yeah, the other stuff, meh. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm right there with you. I gave it a five. Um, how about the dancing? Ten. You gave it a 10? Yes. I gave it a 10 as well. Yep. It's, it's the only redeemable quality of this movie. Yes. It's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> yep. And it's, it's, it's a legendary um, dance you know, film. Yes. I've seen a lot of like top 20 you know, dance musicals of all time. Mm-hmm. It's always in the top five. Yep. Um, so it's, it's great. And you know, it's, it's just sad that you have to <laughs> watch this whole movie right. to see the dancing. So there you go. Uh, how about the design? I gave it a seven. Uh, I thought the backdrops were beautiful. Right. They Must were have been huge gorgeous. backdrops, by the way. Well, big, and that's yeah. just it. Like, it, the artistry to create those must have just been, I mean, I don't know. It, yeah. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I thought everything else was kind of lazy. Yeah, I mean, you could see elements of where money was spent. Right, like money was spent obviously in the set design of the 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 cabin and the, mm-hmm. the barn and that whole set and things right. like that, and then in town you see it as well. But then, yeah, like that barn raising scene, like you know, it's it's just a soundstage. It's right. a soundstage. You can and clearly even, see. I mean, the costumes are they're okay. They're not really on point no. for the period. It's almost like, well, here we have some fluffy skirts. We have. Seven girls. Let's give them seven fluffy skirts. I love. I love it when the guys, you know, shave their faces and they're all wearing those. Um, what's it? What's that called? Monochromatic or what's the term where they're all like wearing single colors? Yeah. Well, I mean, they all are just color labeled. I mean, they, I mean, they look. They look like a you know BFA showcase performance from the early two thousands. Right. Like that's 
they, they look like they're you know coming from well, and honestly i think it was just so that the audience could recognize them if you don't right. know you know that gideon is gideon oh the blue one you know mm-hmm. but I, I will say that the the guys I, I meant to mention this before um some of the brothers are are you know in a way legends yes. in this industry i mean one of them uh mr uh ephraim is jacques Demboise. Demboise, uh, who is uh, obviously, you know, a huge titan in the industry. Also, Tommy Rail or Tommy Rawl, um, in this as well. He was also in uh, Kiss Me Kate mm-hmm. um, as well, and he's done, a, he was also in Fame. Uh, the movie is Not Kane, or the TV series, I guess. Not Kane, but he's also done basically every movie musical in the 1940s you know, and 50s. Tommy, uh, Tommy Kale, I almost called him Tommy Kale. Tommy <laughs> Rawl uh, was in, so there you go on that end. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. But I agree. I mean, yeah, the design, you could see where they had money, where they needed money. It's MGM's fault. I gave it a five on that one. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's get into our awards. Uh-huh. Who gets your, um, who gets your Julia Award as the best singer in the movie? Uh, very grudgingly, Adam. Yeah, Howard Kill. Yeah. He's got a great voice. It's, yeah, no, his voice is beautiful, and it really, it carries the the positive things about the uh, music. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. I gave it to him as well. How about your Russell Crowe for the worst singer in the movie or worst uh, person or dancer or whatever it is? Uh, I gave it a not applicable because no one used their real voice. Right. And <laughs> <clears throat> That's probably probably why they did it because hardly any of them probably could sing. Right. Um, so, yes, I agree that they... they there's not really applicable. Uh, how about your Bumlet Award? Who gets your Bumlet? Well, folks, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I just need to really quickly explain who Bumlet is. Bumlet is, if you watch the movie Newsies, he's the one that's spinning on the fan at the end of the King of New York sequence. Um, so it's really for a background actor, extra, supporting cast member that really steals a certain scene that you just yeah. can't take your eyes off of him. So who gets your Bumlet? Um, so I have to give a special shout out to Frank. Because his uh, he does side aerials on the wood planks during mm. the barn dance. Mm-hmm. He's one of the brothers. Uh, so I don't think he really qualifies because he is in every scene. It's true. Um, but it's his physical capabilities in dance are just crazy. Right. Um, but my bumlet award truly goes to, and I don't know the name of the character, Mr. Moustache, one of the other dancers from the town. Uh because he is the one who does the arm wrestling dance on the double planks. And oh, he's yeah. also in all of the partnering sequences mm-hmm. with the women. And he's just a very capable dancer. And every time I see him on screen, I'm like, hey, it's Mr. Moustache. There you Check go. Check him out. So I went with, um, and I honestly don't know his name. Uh, I'm looking through the, the cast list and I can't even see where the character is um, here. But... He is the owner of the barn that is being raised. Mm-hmm. Um, again, interesting choice. His voice when he says his lines. And he has two lines, I think. He's, mm-hmm. I think he says, thank you. I, I, I can't remember exactly, but I think it's like, thank you. And like, here she is when he right. you know, shows the, the pig. That, oh, oh, can I say something? Please. So <laughs> I was just reminded of this. 
at the end of the barn raising, they do raise the barn, then they get in a fight, and the barn falls down and is completely destroyed, and they don't finish what they're supposed to do, and the brothers are just standing there laughing. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry well, we, we destroyed your property, and oh, we're man. manly men, yes. But we're just manly men, and we uh, had a good old time. Exactly. We're leaving. Peace out. Peace out. Thanks, Sorry. Thanks for the barn raising. Um, yeah, I agree. But that that guy who owns the barn, his his voice that they either dubbed or his act, that's his actual voice is fantastic when he says thank you. Mm-hmm. It's like, and you know, Jack over here, thank you. Like it's like it's such. A, it is so like what it it makes you turn your head like you know immediately of like what what was that voice that they used for that guy? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that guy he gets my yeah. little word. So there it is. Uh, Final question. And I didn't yeah. ask this with Jesus Christ Superstar last week, but I'm asking it right now. <laughs> should, should this movie be remade, revived on Broadway, remade in a movie, or remade into like a Netflix you know, no. series? No. No. Well, honestly, I think, <laughs> I don't know if there's a way to do these dances better to improve upon them. Right. I think they're fantastic. And I don't think the rest of the material needs to be revived in any way. I think if you want to, like when... City Ballet does their, you know, specialty nights when they, you know, they did one for Jerome Robbins a couple years ago and they take snippets from musicals. If they were to ever do a Michael Kidd night or something like that, I think a recreation of some of the choreography would be great. Or same, you know, and to do a, a few pieces from this show to sing them, some of the love songs, great. Mm-hmm. I don't think in any way that this, as it stands, should be performed anymore, though. Right. Because it's just putting a positive spin on really, really negative stuff. And if you want to see it, it's here. You can rent it. We rented it. It was great. You can YouTube all of the dances and the songs individually. I, I think it exists in this form. It does not need to be recreated. I agree. Now, I do think... I I I a hundred percent agree with you. If they did like a, you know, like a Fosse style show where it's just Michael Kidd numbers yeah. throughout, put the, put the barn dance in there. Put um, lonesome polecat, lonesome yeah. polecat in there. Like in, you know, put some some guys and dolls. Put some Hello Dolly in there. Right, like, fantastic. But yeah, no, I agree. No need to revisit this. I, a friend of mine when I when I posted this on social media and said I was watching it. Mm-hmm. You know, she said that like her local town has been trying to do this in their community theater for years because of the barn dance and ignoring like every other but problem. But how, how in the world can a local theater put on the barn dance? You can't. You can't. You can't do it. And if you're trying to do it, it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. It's going to be dangerous, and just don't do it. It's so. going to be dangerous, and it's also just not going to hold up. Like these are some of the best dancers in America. Right. In this, I mean, Jacques D'Amboise, for as much as, I mean, he is who he is. He is a trained ballet dancer. He was with the New York City Ballet. (laughs) These are trained professionals. Don't do it in your community. Don't do it, please. (laughs) Just watch it and enjoy the dancing No need to to piss off your entire female or, you know, evolved thinking crowd for six minutes of a quarterback dance. It's not worth it. No. It's not worth it. So, that's going to wrap us up, Nicole. Yeah, that's gonna wrap. Thankfully, we're gonna put this. We're gonna put a bow on Seven Brides and Seven Brothers and put it away, and never <laughs> mention it again. 
And Until next year when I want to watch some of the dancing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, folks, that is going to do it for this week on the Movie Musical Shakedown. Uh, you can find this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere you can get your podcasts. But, um, Nicole, thank you so much. You're very welcome. All right, folks, see you right here next week on the Movie Musical Shakedown. I bet you want to know why I shot the bastard. You're poking I hold a PhD in horribleness. See you at the aftermath. Peace. I have a dream.